Nate, what are you doing? Sorry, did you say something? Yeah, why do you have the Lobot deal on your eyes? That's that's weird. Ooh, okay, this is a virtual reality headset. Okay, why? Because it's an election year and I'd rather be in any reality but this one. Enjoy, Enjoy your stay, stay Cloud City Casino. Hello, what have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking cloud. Don't get excited! Welcome, scoundrels, back to another episode of Cloud City Casino. I'm your host, Michael Morse, and of course with me, Nathan Butler. Whew! I'm all better now, folks. Hello. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I guess that means we're going to be talking PlayStation VR. This was finally the moment, folks, that actually got Michael to hop in the car and drive the hour south to come here and actually try it out in person. So your hosts have finally met. Now I just got to meet Bethany and Riley at some point since they're even closer. (laughs) How many years have you been on the network? God, I don't even know. I don't (laughs) even know at this point. Oh, that's funny. Because you guys live like way closer than... Well, not only that, but every time we go see a movie, my wife and I, we go to see a movie... In the town that they live in. <laughs> so it's it's not only close, but it's a place we actually do go to. There are many reasons to go to that town. Mm-hmm. Have yet to actually go there and meet the bosses, so to speak. <laughs> not to say that you're not the boss baron administrator, but I mean like the uber barons. Gotcha. Whatever you call them. <laughs> the people who are actually in charge and not just... Prancing in a cape? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Oh, man. We don't really have a whole lot of news this time around, um, but we do have a little bit for the other two Star Wars console games at the moment. Poe's Quest for Survival has finally been released. A while back, they had done an update for LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens, and it added the trophies, and I guess on Xbox it added the achievements, for the first DLC level um, as part of the season pass. Poe's Quest for Survival. How does he get off of Jakku? Then weeks went by, and the level just didn't show up in the game until finally, with no fanfare whatsoever, early this month, they finally added the level into the game, and in doing so, also had another update that adds the trophies for the other two DLC missions that still haven't seen the light of day yet. But basically, it is a very, very short mission. Shorter even, I would say, than the Phantom Limb PS4 exclusive or or PlayStation exclusive mission right now that'll eventually be able to be available after its timed exclusivity on the other platforms. But really, really quick, pretty much follows the same storyline as what we got in the novelization, where basically Poe gets discovered by uh, a scavenger, Naka Iet, I think is how you're supposed to say it, and winds up being taken to a settlement and after helping out in defeating members of the Struss clan, which also shows up as an adversary in the Force Awakens beginner game for the RPG, uh, he's able to get picked up and taken off the planet. I mean, it's exactly the story we expected with a few humorous beats in it here and there. Kind of like what the rest of the game really is. is kind of uh, telling a straight story and then it's the sight gags usually that's more of the Lego side of things. Um, but it's it's short and sweet, but it is only $3 if you're buying it as standalone DLC. And of course, if you have the deluxe edition of the game, you've already got the season pass. If you buy the season pass separately, it is only 10 bucks, and we've already got all the character packs from it at this point. So it seems kind of a no-brainer with LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens to go ahead and get the season pass if you want the extra content instead of buying them a la carte. But here we are with our first of the three levels finally being released. That leaves a couple more. Um, but they are still rolling it out bit by bit. I'm just surprised I didn't see anything really about this whenever it was released. There wasn't a lot of fanfare to this, and 
usually new releases, at least on PlayStation systems, are on Tuesdays because uh, that's when they do the PlayStation Store update. And this one showed up on a Wednesday. So for PlayStation players, it wasn't even on the weekly store report saying, here's what's new. You just had to basically put in the game and go, oh, that's weird, you know, and realize <laughs> that it's available. Uh, and then go download it so you can play it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I need to get back on, on checking that out because I know you did the Twitch thing or whatever. The YouTube, yeah, the YouTube yeah, live streaming stuff. Yeah, live streaming. That's what the kids are calling it. As opposed to like when you take the camera to the funeral and it's the dead streaming thing, which doesn't <laughs> go over nearly as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a fun game. It's just one of those games that once you get to a certain point, a lot of it is just sort of replaying the same levels and over and over again to find collectibles. And... I would argue that it's probably less of a grind to do so than some of the other Star Wars Lego games that we've gotten. It is definitely the strongest of the Star Wars Lego games so far, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of people decried the fact that they were going to have DLC for this thing and extra levels added. Why isn't it in the base game? Well, that's kind of the same question you ask about any DLC. Uh, only in this case, I will say that while I've been impressed so far... With the price of the DLC being only 10 bucks for the season pass, starting to get a feel for why that's the case. It is a massive discount considering that, you know, it's about three bucks for the character packs, three bucks for the level pack. So it's a massive value just to pay 10 bucks when it costs quite a lot more if you buy it separately. But this mission is three bucks and it really feels like a length of mission of three bucks. Okay. Um, it is a very, very fast experience for all the waiting that we did for this mission um but it's i mean still good content relatively uh, inexpensive and something you play um for all ages so i'd certainly recommend it yeah better than paying 15 bucks for something that is about the value of three bucks Ooh, a snap which i guess <laughs> pulls us into the second topic i'm assuming that was a sidelong reference to <laughs> battlefront wasn't it oh yeah it was not very subtle at all well, I, you know, you didn't say the words so much. Just, you know, we're in tune, man. Somebody's going to gripe about not getting their money's worth. It's got to be Battlefront. Um, yes. So Battlefront, they did a new news bite recently. And the news bite was basically saying, here's what's going on this holiday season, which includes a, hey, if you're going to be following along this holiday season, be sure to check out our live event calendar. Here's a link to our live event calendar, which, by the way, hasn't been updated since, like, September. So <laughs> that link didn't do us any good in their news announcement. Um, but basically, uh, they've said, okay, uh, coming up, because uh, now we've hit the, I guess it's been a year since the game was released. Um, they're now saying, okay, it's been a year. We are announcing a new Star Wars Battlefront Ultimate Edition to be available next month, which is November as of the time we're recording this. Um, basically, it looks like it's not going to be something where it's, hey, here's some exclusive stuff just for the Ultimate Edition. Go rebuy the game kind of crap. That is basically just, here's the game and its expansions. Kind of like a Game of the Year edition that you right. see with a lot of games where they just pack stuff in. Uh, it is going to wind up being, I forget the exact price point. I saw the price point is either like 50 or 40 I think it was 40 um, but essentially, you're able to get the game and all four DLCs, one of which isn't even out yet, for less than buying just the season pass in the past. Um, so there's a lot of people griping about the price point. But again, this is a year-old game. Right, yeah. I think if, You can kind of expect this. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. It's like, let's, let's not gripe at everything. Wait, did I just say that's... 
No, but um, I mean, you know, there, there's definitely things that I think are, are worth complaining about. But if if you're griping at this, then it's like you must be new here. But yeah, but I, I'm paying like forty bucks or whatever, and or you're paying forty bucks or whatever, and I paid like a hundred and ten, man, or even more for this other edition, man. That's not fair. Well, yeah, you also have been playing it for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Uh, if you're going to be playing something but at this point is only staying alive because of DLC, and in many cases you can get used for like 10 bucks from you know GameStop or wherever, then, you know, maybe we shouldn't be all that worried about that. Um, <laughs> they did continue on to say, uh, as a pretty cool thing, but one that's kind of a blink and you'll miss it, you got to be careful uh, to watch the calendar, uh, they're going to be doing more in-game events, more giveaways, more free trial weekends, more double score events, and most importantly... On the weekend of November 18th through 20th, they're going to do their first 4X score event. In other words, four times the points. So it actually <laughs> feels like double points because double points feels like it should be regular yeah. progression. Um, and at the same time, they're going to allow free trials of Outer Rim, Bespin, and Death Star, the three released DLCs for all players during that window. Um so there's that that's coming up. That's when they said, you know, keep it on our live events page to see what else is coming up in-game. No, this was a, a news announcement uh, that they put up on the 19th, which was almost a week ago now. I'm now clicking the live events page, scrolling down, and yeah, it's still their most recent date is September 25th. Good job. Good job updating the website, guys. <laughs> then they have the humorous part of the message, uh, which is, we're excited to share some of the first details with you about the fourth upcoming Star Wars Battlefront expansion pack, Rogue One Scarif. This December, you'll be able to discover characters, maps, and more from the upcoming movie in this exciting new digital expansion, featuring the tropical planet of Scarif. Prepare to band together on the battlefront for an epic Star Wars adventure. And I'm like, okay, so you're about to reveal information? Thanks for making this a memorable year, blah, 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 we're done. Yeah, so their their big reveal is Rogue One Scarif. I kid you not, their reveal is it's going to have maps, characters, it's going to tie into the movie... And, oh, yeah, it's on the planet Scarif. That is it. That's all their big announcement of we're finally able to share some details with you. Yeah. If it wasn't for that whole 4X score event and being psyched to do that to progress, given the fact that I've barely touched it since the last double score event, um, I would call it a complete fail for their coming soon to Star Wars Battlefront this holiday news bite they probably haven't made any of it yet so they can't promise anything <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have like heroes and 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 villains and soldiers i would i almost said it's gonna have ships but then i realized we've had dlc that didn't <laughs> add any ships <laughs> what um, you mean like all of them <laughs> well no because we well i mean we sort of i mean we had the cloud car i mean uh, all but one there we go amended so what well, one thing I do want to say though is uh just to to kind of give I guess some levity because I you know I I have been uh especially as of late getting really upset but at least it's not No Man's Sky. Have you been following what's going on with that game? Oh good lord. <laughs> yes, the the basically we will promise you whatever we need to promise you in order to sell this game and if you ask will it have this and it sounds like you're excited if it does we will say yes and then when the game actually arrives it will have none of that it'll be a tedious grind fest and basically the company will go absolutely silent on addressing any of this stuff there's actually i th i don't know if it's going forward yet or if it was in the process but there was a class action lawsuit yep. that was being filed against the company for all the stuff they promised 
would be in-game that are just kind of basic features that aren't there that they said over and over and over again would be there. Oh, yeah. 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 Ooh. yeah, the, yeah now, that's if I'm not mistaken, that class action lawsuit is actually over in, um, I think, Europe, possibly. Uh, but it, it's not in America. I remember that part. But Yeah, the, that I remember. From the source that I was checking out on that basically was saying that most likely that there would be more class action lawsuits to follow. They promised uh, too much. The actual... Uh, there are a lot of features that they had listed that did not appear in the game, and on top of that, they actually showed uh, footage that was way, way advanced to the actual mm-hmm. gameplay footage that was in there. And um, they, you know, it's even even things like uh, up until recently, that was still their their footage on uh, like on the website. So they mm-hmm. were still false advertising like long after the fact. So. Oh, yeah. Um, they're like, oh, don't worry, it could come in a patch, and people look like, no, there's no way you could do all that in a patch. No, that would be a whole different game thing. It's possible that th- that they could do a lot of it in the patch, but the problem is they've lost so much goodwill already. Yeah, it went from being on a top sellers list and top download list. I know for PSN when it first was released, uh, mainly because of all the pre-orders, and then by the very next, I can't remember if it was week or month that they showed statistics, it was just like, it's gone. It's not even on the list anymore. Right. It's, and it's, it's out of here. The concept of the game is fantastic. And, you know, something that I would love to see a Star Wars clone of. I would love to see them do that, but... With features. With real features. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I would love to see them do a good Star Wars clone. I don't think that was done by a studio um, that was like one of your bigger studios. And I think mm-hmm. that was a little bit of the problem. I think that it was um, a studio over ambitious. Yeah, I, I think yeah. this was like one of their earlier. You know, they'd never really taken on something like this. It kind of got blown way out of proportion, and they essentially either could. I, I think it was a situation where they could either meet their deadline or they could, you know, give what was promised and. Uh, extend their deadline and they chose to meet the deadline and i think that's what what hurt them Um, so basically it was a it was there there was a complete lack of experience but talking out their butt talking a good game and talking smack about those who doubted them as they were trying to make no man's sky great again wait (laughs) oh man i need my vr headset again um Uh, so so congratulations battlefront we every once in a while a star wars re-release will have a new tagline right 1995's vhs stuff you know see the original one last time right and then the special editions see it again for the first time now you can have battlefront ultimate edition at least it's not no man's sky that is true though i'm I'm sure that then the no man's sky creators would turn around and sue them and be like this is a way to get back some of the money we lost on no man's sky i think they've got their hands full at the moment they'd have to they'd have to pop up out of their cave where they're hiding out so they don't get lynched or something and be like okay i got it click <laughs> right. i filed the lawsuit click one thing too talking about over promising remember the uh front wires galaxy and turmoil yes the one that was going to be essentially battlefront three the way it had been originally planned and then it became well it's going to be galaxy and turmoil but it's not going to be star wars because we got the letter from ea slash lucasfilm is there a new wrinkle in that story yeah and it's it's kind of interesting because they they didn't really mention anything um but i was looking at comments 
and uh, I'm, I'm trying to find it right now because they are actually really good on the uh, the Steam page. They're really good about responding to people's comments and everything. Like they're, like they're actually paying attention to it all. And essentially, there are people saying, "Hey, I feel like you guys have gone quiet. You're you're not really saying anything for a release date. What's going on now that you can't have any of the Star Wars stuff? Like we're we're kind of curious as to what the state of the game is." And they responded back and said, look, we appreciate that everyone's still interested and, and curious. We just don't want to overpromise. Um, you know, we will announce more once, um, you know, basically our, our next announcement is going to be, hey, here is the, uh, the demo or rather here is the um, or, or, you know, the demo will be coming out at this point. Um, pass it. And I can't find the, the comments now which is kind of frustrating me. So then someone said, well, can you even tell us what's going to be in the demo? And they responded back and I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff for the demo. And that was what the, the person said too. They're like, wow, that's way more than I expected for, from a demo. So the one thing I was looking through is they basically, and this is very classy of them, them they don't allow whatsoever on, on the Steam page. They have a, a little pinned, um, forum, whatever, a thread saying basically, you know, look, no bashing of Disney, LucasArts, or um, EA Dice, and they basically said, you know, look, we have respect for them, so we ask that you respect them, so I thought that was pretty classy of them as well, especially since, let's be honest, EA kind of did screw them over a little bit. Um, yeah, but, I mean, they were kind of walking into it. It's a, it I still find that it's, it's of all the the factors in that story it seems like steam is the one with the most blame for anything mm -hmm. to some extent because they were the ones who were like yeah you're approved come on in and everybody out there in you know fandom is like uh that's gonna get a cease and desist you realize <laughs> right and they're just like no man come on in we approve right. you man yeah. um it sort of seems like that gave everybody get, got everybody's hopes up yeah um when otherwise this would have been a very obvious beginning middle and end to the story right right i you know like like i said it was a, a situation where i would have been like no there's no way but then as soon as steam's like yes way i was like oh well i mean it, they're steam they're not gonna do something stupid right oh well i guess so um <laughs> so anyhow but i i do see here the uh with someone asking about the demo says great question um as we stated publicly in the past the demo will consist of a single-player story mission to give players a feel for gameplay and a bit of the overall story of the universe, uh, accompanied by multiplayer maps and game modes. One game mode will be close quarters, no vehicle uh, game mode. The second will be a full space-to-ground game mode with air and land vehicles. So that's what's going to be in the upcoming uh, demo. Nice. So, mm -hmm. so basically, as much as approximately was in the full initial release of Battlefront. Yeah, pretty much. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> we had had to, had to had to take the opportunity. I think oh, yeah. it, we, we're still we're still dealing with that 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 pain from Battlefront at this point. But that's good. So they're. I do like the fact that they're not willing to sort of just get out there and and talk crap and oversell and overhype mm -hmm. and to just kind of wait. As a process goes along, I think that is something. I mean, we're kind of in that day and age of 
it's two things happening, I think, clashing. One is that instant gratification thing. You know, we want it, we want it now. And if we can't have it now, we want to know more about it now, you know. Uh, spoil me with movies, spoil me with TV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, there is a real concern out there. Um, granted, not as much with this game because it's more people investing their time and their energy and their interest in it. But you've got a lot of games, for instance, that get going through Kickstarter um, and things like that that eventually just never get released. You know, the Kickstarter ends, the money goes in, and then nothing happens. Or you wind up with something like Mighty Number no. 9, where the money goes in, the product comes out, and it's garbage compared to what everybody expected it to be. Um, so having a, a developer who does tend to be very active in interacting with the community start to go silent or reply a significant degree less, I could see where that would cause people to be freaked out a little bit who are really uh, wanting this game to appear sooner rather than later. I could see that. Right, but I mean, keep in mind also they haven't taken any money from anyone. Right, um, which is like I said, that that's definitely something to to kind of keep notice. That I mean, they just they seem like they really want to do this right, which is I think awesome uh, because like I said, they they haven't taken any money from anybody, and further, they're actually sticking to uh, making sure and and hitting everyone's uh, questions, you know, and and having a nice mm -hmm. response back. So, um, and I don't. I don't know that company at all, that, mm -hmm. that group, but if you're not taking in any money ahead of time and they don't have any kind of big investor like an EA or someone who's sort of behind the scenes as part of this process of funding, I mean, to some degree, we got to take into account the fact that it's probably a relatively small group of people doing this mostly as a labor of love that they're hoping to be able to make some money on later, right. <laughs> as opposed to this being something where the cash is already flowing. I mean, it could be... You know, the difference in being able to have this much more uh, time with your graphic artist is that, well, I paid him out of what I didn't spend on food this week. I mean, you never know with these small studios, with these projects like this, how much money there is. And there's a tendency to just assume, oh, well, they're developing a game. Of course they're out there and have plenty of funding to do that. Otherwise, how would they do that? You know, making a game is a skill that does require some expensive things to get going. But... You could be incredibly skilled and not be being paid a cent to make these things. Um, I don't know. It just I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I've also I I don't, I don't think I can say the name. I saw a a buddy of mine has moved from um, um, working with uh, one of the Call of Duty companies, so to speak, um, to now working on uh, some virtual reality type stuff for Lucasfilm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where that winds up going um, as well as we see this. But it seems like every time I hear about you, – you hear the stories about the game companies. It's all about these giant numbers, giant teams, big money, AAA, this, that, and the other. But then you actually look at the stories of the, and the people who are behind these games most of the time, and it's not nearly the size of the team or as well-funded as people tend to make them out to be. And the more obscure you get – the less big name companies are involved you get, the less resources they're likely to have to work with. So kudos to them for um, for taking it easy and also not turning this into an immediate Kickstarter slash whatever to turn around and say, well, we've lost the Star Wars name, but let's stick it to Disney by making this awesome Kickstarter time, baby, or something like that. Right, right. And they're like I said, they're absolutely not doing that. And in fact, someone else in the comments had mentioned 
this and and I don't know if it was something that uh, they were just speculating on or if there was maybe a, a piece of something that I wasn't aware of, but they said that Lucasfilm kind of went to bat for them a little bit and allowed them to, because they could have lost more than just the Star Wars properties. Or, yeah, they could have lost like the base code and stuff like that, right? They could have lost the right and the, so th- the framework. Right, they were trying to to mediate and allow them to where they can still make the game be everything that it is. Just you know, the characters can't look like Star Wars characters, and it can't look like Star Wars spaceships and stuff like that. Uh, if that is true, then definitely classy on everyone involved. Kind of circling back with the whole Battlefront thing and just new approaches and things like that, new development. Um, Dice has been working for a while with Criterion games, uh, known for their their uh, vehicle-based games. Uh, on this thing that sort of segues us into why the next topic we're going to talk about, our big topic, is relevant to a Star Wars podcast, uh, they've been working on the Star Wars Battlefront add-on known as uh, the Star Wars Battlefront Rogue One X-Wing VR mission, which, by the way, is a huge mouthful and is even more when you actually look at that title in the coming soon this holiday season announcement on EA's website for Battlefront, because on there it is listed as the Star Wars TM, Battlefront TM, Rogue One TM, X-Wing VR mission. So what you're saying is that if past Battlefront stuff is any indication, you'd spend more time saying the entire name than actually playing through the mission? Uh, Maybe, though I'm hearing (laughs) good things about this from the people who've actually had a chance to... uh, to try it out. Now, now, that's not directly to me. That's checking out reviews from some of the bigger sites that have had a chance at some of the game conventions to actually check out. Uh, I don't know if it's a full scenario or a demo, but uh, it's it's getting some some pretty rave reviews, which of course brings us into the home setting because this is something that will be exclusive to the PlayStation VR, PlayStation Virtual Reality System, which just launched this past. I guess now it's almost two weeks ago now, two weeks ago tomorrow, uh, or not even that, not even two weeks ago tomorrow, because it was released on a Thursday, so about a week and a half ago, we had the release of PSVR in a regular edition for 400 or a launch bundle for 500 and my wife and I, we, we sort of bit the bullet, we, we bought a headset, and because of the varying prices of the games, anything from free up to 60 bucks, we actually now have 12 games here in the home, <laughs> uh, and Michael had a chance to try some. I've tried some demos beyond those games, so hopefully we'll be able to give you some good information on this so that you can maybe make a financially sound decision and a technologically sound decision when it comes to whether or not to buy this to be able to play the X-Wing VR mission rather than it just being, oh my god, I can play in an X-Wing! It's free! Of course, the equipment's like 400 bucks, <laughs> but it's free! Right. Um, so, I guess to start out with... Uh, I don't know where to start. Do you want to start with the technology side? Like, what is the tech side? Do we want to talk about how you can purchase it and what you need, the games? Where Where do you want to start, um, boss? Well, I mean, let's... Uh, I don't know why you keep doing that. <laughs> I, I just I just enjoy that because every time you're like, yeah, uh-huh, I'm the boss. I'm sitting back here like, I, I'm just passing the buck, man. Just passing the buck. Um, let, let's talk about the actual um, technology and equipment first. Okay. All right, so what you've got is a headset. Uh, if you buy the regular box, it is a $400 package, or $399.99. And that, was, that was my Lando impression, but it was horrible. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because you look at the, the computer-based, the PC-based VR 
headsets that are out there, the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. Uh, we won't get into the Samsung Gear VR because that's really meant to work with the Samsung Galaxy Note, and, you know, the biggest special feature of that is that it explodes. <laughs> um, yeah, with, the Vi- with the Vive and the Oculus Rift, think of it kind of like a swimming mask, right? You get the the part that goes up to your eyes, and it's held on with a strap on either side that goes around the back of your head with another strap over the top. So it's basically being squeezed from the back of your head in the front to sort of push it onto your face uh, with the strap on top, keeping it from drooping down, uh, which put all, most of the weight on the front of your head. It makes it almost impossible to play with glasses on. It gets uncomfortable after a while. The PSVR is being favorably reviewed very heavily across the net at this point because of its form factor and the way that it's actually designed. It's got a ring that's going to go around your head. You press a button on the back and stretch the ring and stick it on your head. It's almost like you're putting on a baseball cap. And then you can turn a little dial on the back to tighten it a little bit more. And instead of basically squishing the, the headset thing that you actually are looking through into your face... It hangs down in front and has a button on it that you can click to move it in and out closer and further away from your face. So if you're wearing glasses, PSVR is definitely the way to go. Uh, If you're going to be playing in long extended sessions, the form factor at least is a a better setup. The unit itself um, plugs into what is referred to as a processor box, which does come with the system. It's sort of handling all the HDMI output and whatnot. So the back of the processor box is going to have an electric plug-in, which... Thank God is not a blocky box Nintendo style one or something that takes up more than just one space because of how big it is. Uh, you've got another cord that goes to the uh, PS4's, one of the PS4's USB ports, which unfortunately on the current PS4's are in the front. So you got a wire coming around the front there. PS4 Pro that's coming out next month will have one USB plug in the back, presumably for this use. Then you've got... Uh, two HDMI cables in the back of it. One is coming from the PS4. One is going from the processor box to the TV. It's allowing the signal to pass through if you're going to be watching regular HD content, Blu-rays, playing regular games or whatever on the PS4. The front of it then has two HDMI cables, one for each eye, that come out of that and plug into the end of a plug that is attached by a thick wire to the headset. So it is not a wireless headset. Also on the wire, as you go from where that connection happens up to the headset itself, there's a little box uh, that acts as an inline control to turn on and off the headset's power to turn up and down the volume for the 3D audio that's involved, uh, which can use any stereo headset, by the way. Um, You just don't want to use one that already simulates surround sound because it won't work. It just needs to be a standard stereo pair of headphones. Um, and it's got a mute button for the microphone. There's a microphone actually built into the headset. Uh, it comes with a pair of earbuds, which also have a built-in microphone that you can plug directly into that inline control. So from a physical standpoint, lots of wires, incredibly easy to set up, but you are going to have wire management issues, possibly depending on how your setup looks. The actual headset unit, uh, the screen, it is a 5.7-inch OLED screen, which is the same type of screen that was on the original PlayStation Vita. It's uh, an LED screen, but it is, um, it's got an organic electro whatever it is uh i i knew the term for this a moment ago it's an electroluminescent material there you go as uh the top layer of this thing which allows darker colors to come through more clear without being sort of muddy looking and then the resolution is uh 1920 by rgb by 1080 which basically means uh, 1080 in terms of lines of resolution uh, it is split between both eyes though so it's actually more like 
960 by RGB by 1080 on each eye because it is stereoscopic 3D. Uh, you don't need to have special glasses or anything to be able to use it. The lenses actually on the unit are what's allowing your eyes to process it. But it's two different signals coming through this screen, just like if you were watching a 3D movie in a theater or on a home television um, with the different signals going to each eye. Beyond that, in order to use the unit, again, that's the $400 package. Uh, doesn't come with any games, comes with a demo disc, though. In order to use it, you're going to need a PlayStation 4 camera. Those are going to run you about 60 bucks, but they've made it so that every game can be played with a DualShock 4 controller, just a regular controller. But if you want the full immersion in things like Batman Arkham VR, you're going to need a pair of Move controllers. You can use ones from the PS3 era or some of the, the newly packaged or repackaged PS3 era ones. <laughs> Right. They're now being sold as if they're for PSVR, where nothing has changed, not even the labels on the buttons or anything, for a hundred for a pair. Yeah, but, they at uh, least that used to be like 10 bucks for like a piece oh, used yeah. for PS3, I thought. Yeah, it started at like 35 or 40 or something like that for one of them, and then the price just kept declining because PS Move didn't get used as much. Uh, right. I guess back to the screen before I forget. Uh, it is, as people have asked about frame rate and people getting sick from it and stuff like that. Um, so there is a little bit of a screen door effect, which makes it look like you're looking at the screen through a screen door um, up close to your face. But that's just the nature of having anything with that many you know, pixels and whatnot very, very close to your face. It's not super noticeable. I'm told that it's a little bit more noticeable initially when you first start using it than with the Rift or the Vive. Kind of hard to say because um, I haven't tried those. Oh, man, but, you, haven't, uh, you haven't invested in those yet? Yeah, I haven't invested in those either. Uh, <laughs> and we'll get to the, the cost factor of, uh, soon, I'm sure. Right. But, um, but so we have that. Uh, the games are required to run at a minimum of 60 frames per second. But the way it actually is processing with its refresh rate and everything is actually 90 or 120. Um, so basically, if you've got a game that's running natively at 90, it's okay. Natively at 120, it's okay. Anything else will run at 60, but it uses what's called, uh, oh gosh, what was the term for it? It's called a uh, reprojection, which is not interpolation, reprojection. Their explanation is that it's, it takes um, the last output at 60 hertz and creates a new image at 120 hertz based on the last head movements made by the user. So essentially, it's taking it something that's coming in at 60 and turning it into 120. Uh, so you get that smoothness of interaction with the environment. Um, there's also been questions of, well, what about latency? You know, if you if there's too much of a latency between the input of what you're trying to do versus what you're actually seeing in the input output from the system, it breaks the immersion, could make people sick, blah, blah, blah. Um, research is saying that about 20 milliseconds is about the most that you would want to see before people start to have their immersion broken. Um, PSVR is required to have latency that comes in at less than 18 milliseconds. Um, so if they've done things to try to make it so it's not going to make people sick. From a, a buying standpoint, you get the $400 pack, but then you've also got a bundle which could take what would have been basically $600 worth of purchases, the $400 headset, the $60 camera, the $100 for the two move controllers, and $40 for the game PSVR Worlds. Take that $600 amount throw it into a launch bundle that is still available in some cases, and they drop the price to 500 So the price of entry is going to be anywhere between 400 and 560 minus any games. But from a tech side, pretty solid, though from a, a resolution standpoint, because it is stereoscopic 3D for both eyes off of that one screen, uh, the resolution is slightly lower than what you would see on a Rift or a Vive. But everything that I'm seeing says that it's really more a matter of just how the games are designed.
behind. So unless you have a game that's really, really high-fidelity graphics in the first place, you're, it's not really going to make a difference because you have such a huge, vast amount of difference in terms of the visual quality of just the games being produced rather than just the headset that is is having to interpret them. Do we have any other things that might be coming out as questions from the tech side of things, you think? Biggest thing that I would like to see them do is I'd like for them to make like a hinge or something so you can flip the, the view. So you can see what you're doing as opposed to tripping over stuff constantly? Right. Because um, that's that's the big thing is, you know, if, if you have both of the move controllers in your hand and then you have to put the earbuds in and you have to put the headset in and everything like that, it can be a little bit much. Um, and then you're essentially just fumbling around in the dark. Uh, but that that would be my main thing I would like to see from them. I mean, you can pull it out. It's just that that's still only going to give you kind of that lower angle as you're as you're walking. I've got to the point now where I'm just like, okay, I put the move controllers at my feet. I know where my feet are. I can lean down and find them, kind of thing. But yeah, um, I, if I remember correctly, when we first got you set up, try it out. It was just, you know, you, you finally get the thing on. I'm like, okay, now, just hold still. Here's the controllers. <laughs> right. I'm going to slip the little uh, the little cords around your wrist so they don't drop or something like that. You know, it's you almost need someone there. Like, it's kind of like wondering how Batman really gets his suit on. You know what I mean? There's somebody should mm -hmm. need to help put all those pieces together. <laughs> right. He has, um, he has I guess machines that push them forward for him. But there's what's called a social screen experience. So if someone's playing a game... In most cases, it is outputting a standard 2D video game version of that of that combined picture actually onto the television. So the people who are in the room with you can watch as you're playing, and you can certainly turn that off or change the channel, um, but they can watch as you're playing. You can live stream, and it puts out that signal as your live stream. So the share features work with the exception of being able to actually see you uh, on the screen because the camera's busy. We'll get to that. Um but uh, there's also some games where the social screen, as it's called, experience actually allows for some local multiplayer. Like there's a game where uh, called Playroom VR where one of the games is you have the person wearing the headset is a monster and they're controlling it with their head like and tearing up a city. And then somebody watching on the television is seeing it differently. They're seeing it from the point of view of the ground and using a regular controller to run around as little characters trying to stop the monster. Wait, do you um, have that game, one? Uh, I've got it. It's, it's a freebie. So I, I finally downloaded it. Darn, um, I there's a game called uh, play that don't play that no i said i want to play or, that or you want to play that yeah it's because you're the godzilla guy <laughs> um there's a, a game called keep talking no one explodes <laughs> where, where the person the person with the headset is basically diffusing a bomb and it's the people who are watching on the screen who are the only ones who are seeing not the bomb but the manuals of how to diffuse the bomb so they're basically giving you commands of you know do this do this look for the wire this and it's almost you know like a where somebody's coming over the radio saying, you know, do you see a blue wire? Do you see a red wire? Um, so they do have that aspect going that none of the other systems at this point has um, from the standpoint of having that really social added experience. Um, and I, I do want to mention, I guess, the reason why you can't do the, uh, you can't stream with your picture showing up in the corner of the live video is that, uh, if it wasn't obvious, it's the actual, it's a PS4 camera that's tracking your movements. So you, that is why you do have to have a PlayStation 4 camera. They don't bundle it in with the $400 unit because enough people already have them. They didn't want to make people have to rebuy them. But if you're going to pick up a unit, don't assume that it's going to be a $400 cost. Even if you don't get the, mo the, the move motion controllers, you're going to need a PS4 camera if you don't already have one. Yeah, there you go. That's, right. Now I think we got the tech side. It's just a lot of tech things about this mm -hmm. 
um, because there's there's so many questions about it at this point. Oh, and, and you can play cinematic mode, which you didn't try. Um, you can watch movies and play regular PS4 games in what's called cinematic mode that basically creates a massive screen floating in blackness in front of you, almost like you're sitting in a movie theater. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I definitely wanted to talk about that because uh, to me, that actually adds uh, a huge value to this. It, it, it is all right. Oh, okay. it's, it's it's not amazing, but it's all right. So um, I guess first impressions then. You've got the tech side. You kind of know mm-hmm. what the technology is we're talking about. Do we want to – we can hit price, I guess, at the end or something. I feel like I'm just throwing numbers out like crazy. Um, you had a chance to try out – let's see. You tried uh, Batman Arkham VR and managed to go all the way through the entire <laughs> game, which was kind of surprising. <laughs> uh, and Because it's fairly short. And then you had a tr- to try a Until Dawn Rush of Blood before you're like, oh, feel the woozy here. Yeah, yeah, right? it was. It, so, uh, so what are your first impressions as far as immersiveness control scheme? Because you did get to play both with a, you get to play both of them with the PlayStation Move motion controllers. Um, what did you think? So, uh, you know, it, it, like I said initially, it was a lot trying to to get set up, um, and uh, I have this. I, I guess it's because of uh, um, don't don't take it personally. It's it's probably more of I guess the. Uh, my other friends that I have, but uh, I had this irrational fear because once you once you put everything on, you're sort of at the um, the mercy of anybody around you, and <laughs> and so I have like this irrational fear. I'm like at any moment Nate's just gonna reach over and just slap me, you know, like right in the, the blurgs. That's <laughs> like, hey, 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 be, be, be careful was, there, Trump. I'm like, I'm like let me uh, think of a <laughs> Star Wars actually, reference. The, the, but, to be fair, the only thing that I did do, I pulled out the. Uh, the iPad and took a couple of shots because I thought he would want to see what he looked like yeah, I, playing I, the game. And with, with hey, with my wife, I actually recorded snippets of her playing where she's playing London Heist and she's like holding up the Uzi that is the move controller. She's like, I'll kill you, asshole! I'll kill you! <laughs> she, yeah. she got a little into it. Yeah, like uh, I said, if it, so, if it had been with some of my other friends, I might have been uh, wretched over in pain. Uh, and being like, ha, 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 you didn't see it coming. I'm like, thanks, jerk. No. Um. <laughs> so, so aside from the fact that you didn't wind up with me physically assaulting you, <laughs> right? Uh, how was the game? How was the experience? So, I, you know, I liked it. Um, and and that was a thing too. You know, you mentioned with the, the cinematic. I don't know how it would be long term, but when you're looking at the actual menu and everything before you actually start the game up and all. It, it looks exactly like you're sitting in a movie theater. And to me, especially as someone who is saying, oh, you know, I want to buy a 3D television for the uh, the 3D Star Wars Blu-rays, that, uh, at least the one that's coming out, and still fingers crossed for those other three. Uh, but I was thinking, you know what? If they do, you'd mentioned that you didn't think that they had the the Blu-ray set up for it, but that uh, essentially that maybe there would be um, some patches or whatever that would allow. Yeah, they, to- their response on can you wa- will you be able to watch 3D movies when in cinematic mode is we have nothing to announce at this time. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> typical, typical non-answer. But but if that were to be the case, someone who's looking at buying a 3D television. That could be a an alternate solution because where yeah I would be the only one to watch them. Uh, most of the movies that I want to to watch on them, besides like I said the Star Wars, I'd pretty much be the only one. Anyways, Christine would be like, yeah, I don't want to watch Pacific Rim in 3D. Like eh. you <laughs> and your 3D porn. <laughs> it's like sitting in a movie theater. So it, as far as like a personal experience, I think that that's 
I think that's something really cool that, that adds more value to it. But I don't know if you could sit through two hour plus film with that headset on. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it, it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was uncomfortable uh, as much as it uh, the movement and all of that sort of made me sick. But if if that's not the case, if it's just like watching a regular uh, 3D movie, I would think that would be fine. But I don't know. I would have to try it and see. I guess. Um, so, so that was my, my first, you know, my initial thoughts on it. Um, then I started, As we were about to start the game, we hadn't even clicked the, right. the X button to get it going, the cross button to get it going. So, right, right. Uh, and then past that, I did notice that starting the game, I was like, oh, okay. I'm perfectly aware that this, this is like, like basically just playing the game, but like up really close. But that, the longer you start to play it, the more those types of things, uh, your brain starts to forget, really, and, and um, you actually lose track of what's actually in front of you compared to what's in the game. For example, we're in that one section where we uh, pull out the, the guy that was in the, um, the morgue and actually roll him out in front of me. And when we were done with that level, we're moving to the next one. Um, I started to like kind of take a step forward. I'm like, oh, wait, no, there's something in front of me. I'm like, wait, no, they're not. That was in-game. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing around me. So, I, like I said, my brain kind of s- starts to have issues with like, oh, is there really something, you know, like is there uh, something in front of me here or is there not? Um, I guess, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I'll give you a, a parallel example. I was playing The London Heist. Mm-hmm. And you're you're in there, and you're basically a guy trying to steal a jewel that's hidden inside the clock on this guy's desk. And there's a point at which people start coming at you from the other side of the room, and they're attacking. And you can duck behind the different parts of the desk to try to protect yourself. Um, but there's a little opening between the little clock on the desk that's kind of raised up on this this intricate wooden paneling or whatever, and the surface of the desk. So I'm leaning down and shooting between those two to get at the enemies, and I get to a point where I need to sort of lean to do that, and I put my left arm up while the Uzi or the pistol or whatever it is is in my right hand, and I tried to lean on the desk in front of me to fire. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, my arm went whoop because there was no <laughs> desk there, and I right. very quickly lost my balance. Right. Um, it's a shock to me how immersive it becomes. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird because, like, I I had that old Victor Max Stuntmaster, right? The one that's supposed to be VR, and all it really was was exactly what you described. It, it's just a big old screen up against your face, right? But in this case, because it's a hundred degree field of vision, it's cutting off your vision for the most part for anything else around you, um, and it really these really are like three hundred sixty degree environments like you can look around you below Mm -hmm. you behind you and there is stuff there the the world is essentially there around you um that yeah it's it's like your yeah your brain kind of gets tricked into thinking like this is reality which is both good and bad because that's where some of the the nausea issues we'll talk about come from um but i was i was very surprised like um and i did like you i the very first thing i actually did was i put in playroom vr for a second Mm-hmm. Just to make sure I had the settings right. But the first game I actually tried was Batman Arkham VR like you did. And it, it took me a minute to kind of get used to, you know, reaching out and grabbing things with the move controller. And, and you know, oh, I'm holding this key that's going to unlock the, the the keyboard on the piano so I can press the keys and get lowered into the Batcave kind of thing. But, I mean, really, by the time I was even getting the bat suit put on, you know, the cowl and getting the gauntlets and everything where you're actually reaching out and doing things... 
I think I, it only took until that point, which is maybe a minute or two into the game, for my brain to be like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just right. It's, it's a very fast immersion um, and I don't know if it's because of the size of the field of vision, the fact that you can turn around 360 degrees. I don't know if it's the the 3D effect because I noticed the 3D effect, but at the same time, I don't notice. Like, I don't realize, I don't notice that it's 3D, but I'm like, wow, this is far away. This is close. I can see and feel the depth, even though I, you know, like, like normal 3D, I'm looking at 3D and like my brain is like, oh, well, this is 3D. But it doesn't, it, in this case, it's more like your brain is saying, this is kind of real. Right. What's, what's going on? Man? Yeah, <laughs> your brain. Uh, your so what do you think? You so <laughs> you you did like I did. You started you started uh, after seeing the parents get killed. Batman's parents get killed for the upteenth time. This time in VR, you became Batman. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What 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 about the immersiveness here in terms of the controls and uh, what you can do, can't do, as the case may be? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of just actually actually interacting with the world? So I think in a lot of ways, I think I'm kind of a, a great person for, for testing these types of things because I definitely, you know, the I, I'm the kind of person who's like, well, let's just see what all I can do. Um, you want, you're trying to break it. You're trying to find a way to say, <laughs> ha, I found where you don't work. Right. I exactly. You. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm all, I'm always the kind of person to say like, you know, they're like, oh, this is, you know, this allows you to do this. I'm like, well, we'll see about that. You're, you're the one who's like going to take the Millennium Falcon toward the side of the cliff, pull it a little too too uh, short, and wind up scraping the side, and then you're going to come back and just tell Han, hey, hey, you said it was the fastest, most awesome hunk of junk in the galaxy. I guess not. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, th- that was that was a lot of fun. I love making mischief, and uh, it the game definitely allows you to, to do that. Uh, to even to the point, you know, some of the the things specifically that I remember was like when they had all the the different things, and you're like, oh, this is or whatever, you know, and I'm just like picking stuff up, throwing it at Alfred, and uh, you know, yeah, throwing like, it. Like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is how you go over to this part of the Bat Cave, and he's like, he's like picking up vials of blood samples and pegging them off of Alfred's head. He's pulling <laughs> out the the grappling gun and shooting Alfred in the chest over and over just to see what would happen. <laughs> Uh, he picks up the uh, uh, there's like a there's a, a needle where you can take a blood sample of yourself, which is one of the things you can do for one of the trophy things to test all these blood samples. He just picks it up and it looks like and he's like, oh well, it stabs it in. What are you doing? Yeah, you're like I, I didn't know you could do that. And I'm like, well, it's like what if Batman woke up one day and forgot he was Batman and then found all his wonderful toys and he started playing with them? Be more honest. Like, what if Batman was a complete irresponsible twit <laughs> that's okay, what it would or, or that too there you go <laughs> yeah and, so what do you think about um so you all, all the stuff you were interacting with batman uh, in batman arkham vr there it's one there's different approaches these games take to movement some of them let you actually fully control your movement with the sticks on a, a dualshock 4 controller something like a battle zone or a rigs or something like that some have you in a vehicle where you're doing that similar to say eve valkyrie but then you got ones like this where it's not so much that you are moving per se. Mm-hmm. There's a designated area you can stand in. In this case, initially represented by a bat symbol on the floor. Um, so you've got basically like a maybe a meter, meter and a half diameter circle that you can move around in, um, walking forward, walking backwards, left, right, leaning, crouching, whatever. Um, 
and you can't really walk out of that. So you're in a little in, enclosed little area that you're acting in, and it puts the stuff nearby enough that you can actually interact with everything you need to interact with. And you're interacting in this case by having two motion controllers in your hands, which are ch they're tracking your movement and rotation everything by the little balls that are on them and the accelerometer, all that stuff. But you're really only using basically a trigger on the bottom, a thumb button on the top called the move button, and sometimes pressing those two things together. And a lot of it is essentially reaching out and grabbing things. Or in this case, uh, you have three gadgets. You've got a battering, you've got a, a, a scanner thing that lets you scan evidence and do x-rays and all that kind of gadgety stuff, and you've got the grapple gun. And the grapple gun and the scanner are located at, at either of your hips, essentially. And to grab them, you reach down with the move controller, pull the trigger to grip it, and just pull it off, and then you put it back on your, your utility belt. And then you've got your batarangs that are essentially on the front of your belt, and you're essentially grabbing what's supposed to be your belt. I found I was constantly grabbing near my crotch, because I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so the height was a little off. Um, to grab the batarangs and, and throw them, and throwing them as literally just gripping them until you're ready to throw them, and you know, flick your wrist and let go. And if you let go before then, it's just going to drop on the ground. So it's a lot of reach out and grab, reach out and manipulate, scan this thing, throw your battering at that thing kind of stuff. It's more about solving a crime of a, a murder close to Batman um, rather than being about combat. It's not really a combat game at all. It's more the mystery and the ambiance and the atmosphere. So you were playing with these move motion controllers. So my first question about the motion controllers for you would simply be, have you used them before? I have actually owned um, a set from the move. Okay. So yeah, I was that, familiar that, that with was them. the I mean that's essentially what it, that's what mine are mine are the PS2 right. and so you so you have used them before how did it feel using those to interact with the environment um, as opposed to using a standard controller yeah so it, and initially it starts out a little um, awkward just because you know a, a lot of those buttons are kind of small and that that was always my problem with the move uh, anyway was that uh, you know you, it's like oh, I got to hit the circle button or whatever and it's kind of hard to, to grab at, especially as you're playing through. And when you have the headset on, you can't see any of that. So that part um, is a little awkward, but mostly you're just sort of using the uh, the front and back main buttons. And mostly you're using it almost like a, a claw-like thing. So um, instead of using like your whole hand, you're just sort of using your, your thumb and, and forefinger uh, sort of gripping... Uh, you know, like I said, almost claw-like uh, against everything. So that becomes a lot more natural as, as you play through. Batman is a fantastic experience. Batman is very much immersing you in the world. It's also one of the best graphic, uh, graphic-wise, the best-looking games for PSVR at this point. Um, relatively short. Can't really talk much about the the story without spoiling stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, I would I would highly suggest if you've played it and you finish it, even after you're like, well, I'm done. I finished it. Go back. Do the Riddler puzzle stuff, which only is available on a second playthrough because you will unlock things like character models. And I mean, you activate the character models inside uh, the, the Batcave, and it's like the character standing in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you get something like a Killer Croc who's gigantic, um, the sadistic weird grins on a, uh, uh, a Joker in front of you. There's even a, a option you can choose to basically have them constantly look at you. So no matter where you go, their eyes are trying to track. <laughs> I think your eyes are, which is incredibly creepy, um, especially when Harley Quinn swings a bat at your face. Oh, nice. The animations you can use. Um, so 
Uh, there's all kinds of nifty things to find there, but of course that's not the only game for the system. Well, a um, couple things I wanted to a- ask on that though. Um, yeah, go for it. Now talking about with the Riddler thing, um, when we were in the, uh, I guess the mortuary or whatever the heck you call it, um, where I was trying to put together the the human anatomy uh, puzzle thing or whatever, is that yeah, a yeah. part of Riddler's stuff, or was I just wasting that time? That is actually that is just a trophy of you just kind of goofing off. But one of the Riddler's <laughs> things, the Riddler basically has, uh, here's a riddle, and you scan the solution to the riddle. Um, like at one point it's Joker, for instance. Um, there's other ones where it's a matter of finding cubes and doing certain things to unlock cubes that you get, mm-hmm. and the cubes count once you get them. Uh, and there's other ones that are kind of like in the Arkham games where you've got, it's like a partial question mark, but then a piece of it's missing. In this case, it's always the dot. And you have to find the dot to do it. But instead of finding an angle to stand from, like you had had fun uh, when you go to the crime scene at the beginning of the game, essentially. There, you're on a you're on a, a fire escape, and there's an apple. <laughs> and Michael just kept grabbing the apple and throwing it and screwing with it and just, just tossing the apple. Well, the apple has, on a second playthrough, when you scan it, the apple's got the dot for the question mark on it. So oh, if you cool. carry that down with you to the bottom and stand next to the question mark, you can hold that out with your hand and finish the question mark symbol to get that collectible. Um, but no, yeah, and then there's there's a lot of odd things um, that are just you know trophy based things like uh, like what you were doing putting together a, a body that had different parts, not like a real body, like a model of a body that had bits and pieces around. Um, running all the blood tests in the bat cave, <laughs> that kind of stuff um, right. to figure out who's been infected with. Um, I guess it's supposed to be Titan is the same thing that was in the first uh, Arkham game, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of little things, dude. But unfortunately, with it being a short game, for those who are big trophy hunters, uh, there are no platinum trophies for a lot of these games because they are such short experiences. Okay. It needs to really be a f- bigger game to be able to have Sony actually authorize them having a platinum trophy. So in this case, you get all the other trophies. You do get a special trophy for having gotten all the other trophies, but it's just gold instead of platinum if you care, which... I really didn't. I just wanted to do everything in the game. I right. wanted to have fun. And and it, it really was a, a fun game. I, I love sort of puzzle games and stuff like that. Um, it, just to me, that puzzle games are, are some of the most fun. And, and, and being able to, to mess around with stuff and try to, you know, use your brain to think of like, okay, now how do I, let's see, what should I do here, whatever. And um, sort of use the tools at your disposal to to get to the next part is just that's a lot of fun to me so i actually really enjoyed this game there's another game that's kind of like that it's like a point and click adventure type thing where part of the time you're in like a a third person mode overlooking this huge landscape of where the action is taking place and then other times when you're puzzle solving you go into a first person mode to solve the puzzles Uh, that's also 20 bucks called wayward sky um, it's much more family-oriented, I guess. It's not uh, dark. I mean, wor- word of warning on Batman Arkham VR, it is crazy, crazy dark. Oh, it yeah. is definitely not for kids. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, I've, I've yeah. beaten Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, and I would say this game is uh, probably darker than both of those. Yeah, but... It, yeah, like I discovered, for instance, uh, I didn't realize it. If you're standing in the Batcave, there is a recording that you can pick up and plug into the computer and play, and you basically watch Joker kill Jason Todd. Oh, excellent. The, the, the second Robin that he killed in the comics, just as like an Easter egg to find, like, oh, well, that was that was fun. That gave me, you know, all kinds of happy feelings. Um, so you got those types of games where you're sort of standing in an area. 
interacting with your environment. Um, or sitting, as the case may be. That's one of the few games that actually suggests that you play while standing instead of playing while sitting. Um, this is not a full room VR thing. It's whatever the camera is able to see and track. So you're tending to be around the same point in the room. Uh, by comparison, the HTC Vive is a room-sized VR element, but you have to have the room to be able to play it and mount the sensors up in the corners and that sort of thing. Oh, my God. Um, so uh, the other thing you were playing, I guess, kind of takes us to that middle step between that and full motion control uh, or full, full movement control, which is Until Dawn Rush of Blood. It is a on-rails shooter. And literally on rails in this case because you're basically on a roller coaster type thing um, going through what's supposed to be a fun house where you're shooting things with BB guns and then some jerk flips the wrong switch and you wind up in this hellish area with all kinds of blades coming at you and these guys trying to kill you. You're using real guns and you're still on this crazy roller coaster type thing. Um, that's one where, like London Heist, uh, which is another really good example of the use of the move controllers, uh, in this case, you are holding the move controllers and using them both as guns. Except instead of just pointing and shooting like you might have done in the move days, you're actually seeing your hands on the screen with the guns in them as you're pointing and shooting. Um, there's been some question as to whether or not that actually is an effective way of doing that kind of control because you're not really seeing the television and shooting. You're reacting as if you're in that you know, re, quote unquote, real environment with those fake hands in front of you and whether or not it's it's easy to aim that way and things like that. What'd you think about the um, the experience there for the on rails kind of VR game with Rush of Blood? It was a rush. <laughs> um, of blood? Yeah. To your head? Maybe? <laughs> it was a rush of something for sure. Um, I, I didn't make it too Vomit? far in this one. Yeah, because I guess... You know, like, how long would you uh, estimate you think that I, I would played through Batman before jumping uh, you, straight you, into this? You blew through Batman in probably a, a couple of hours at most, but okay. you weren't necessarily looking for all the nooks and crannies and some of the puzzles. Like, yeah, here, look at this part. Yeah. Um, so, and then I, I would say you probably played Rush of Blood only maybe. I would say probably 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. That, that's what I figured. I figured I was probably somewhere about a, a, an hour 10 in uh, with this stuff on. Um, and, and I think that probably played a, a big part in it was just how long I, I went through without taking the, the equipment off or anything and kind of resting my eyes, I suppose. But yeah, basically once I got through the, um, the tutorial, you're like, okay, now's where it really picks up. And I'm like, I can't handle pickups. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, um, so that's uh, I was able to to pop a few like real evil clowns there uh, right as we were kind of taking it all off. But I uh, I just by that point it was making me so sick. And by the time I took the headset off, I know my entire face was just pouring with sweat, and uh, I, I imagine I was probably pretty pale looking. And that is a big part of this whole thing um a lot of times you hear the nausea or motion sickness uh it's like being car sick you know when you're talking about vr and it's actually something related to that but slightly different called simulation sickness that people get and it has nothing to do with regular motion sickness like if you don't ever get motion sickness normally 
wonderful. It has no bearing, it seems, on whether or not you might get <laughs> right. simulation sickness. Yep, because I don't get um, motion sickness, but boy, did this get me. <laughs> it, it's it's sort of the reverse of, of what happens when someone gets sick and, and is unable to read in the car. Like, my mom and I both, on long trips, like to try to read in the car when mm-hmm. we're the passenger, obviously, not the driver. Um but neither of us can do it for long periods because we get car sick because you're looking at something and what you're looking at and your mind is focused on and perceiving isn't moving, but your body's having all the physical responses of feeling movement. Think of this the other way around. Your mind, because your eyes are seeing and believing this environment uh, to some degree, um, you are experiencing movement from a perception standpoint. Um, but then your body isn't feeling that like you're pulling, you're supposedly pulling some G's, uh, on a racetrack in drive club VR, but your body is just sitting perfectly still in a seat. Um, that disconnect can cause simulation sickness and you start to get a little bit of a headache, um, which can also come from the 3d too. Uh, you start to sweat. That's one of the, the first signs of it. And then you, it's like a sense of nausea that takes a while to actually go away. Um, and what's happening basically is uh, people who get hit by this, the advice is, you know, keep doing it in small bursts because you're essentially having to train your brain to be able to disconnect the the physical sensation of moving and the perception of moving. It's what a lot of people had to do whenever you would first start playing fast-moving first-person shooter video games. Um, but then it was just on a television screen in front of you, so it was easier for the body to relate to it. Well, here we are. We're in this 360-degree environment where I can look all around, and I'm perceiving the movement that's going on, and boom. Uh, and it seems like the more control you have over your movement, the worse it gets. Um, like you saw me try to put on – like I, I – put on the headset and showed Michael one match. I think it was of Riggs mechanized combat league. And I got through the one match, which runs like five minutes. I'm like, okay, I got to stop. <laughs> yeah. I could see I, that I, one I being that. a lot <laughs> because you're, you're running, you're jumping, you're aiming with the direction that you're looking, you're turning, you are shooting enemies. You are running around a, a course trying to win a, a match, a sports type match. Um, and you're inside basically a bubble that's got a little bit of a HUD in front of you. But for the most part, you can see everything. Um, one of the things that is supposed to help with that is having a, a focus point. So, for instance, if you're playing rigs, there's no focus point, really. There's not much of one. It's going to hit you hard. If you're playing something like Here They Lie, no focal point, going to hit you hard. You're playing E Valkyrie or Battlezone, you're sitting in a cockpit. And you're having all those same flying around kind of things going on. But because you got all this stuff that is stationary in front of you as part of the cockpit, your brain's able to handle that better and not get as sick. So um, you, you have to kind of stick with it, but it's definitely one of the things that people were a little concerned about that is a real deal. It, it almost entirely though comes down to how much control do I have of my motion? Um like, I'm playing, I've, I've got a game now called the Brookhaven Experiment, and it's sort of like a zombie-type game, and it's basically kind of like Batman. You're standing in one place, and zombies can come at you from any direction, including behind you, any direction, and you're trying oh, to kill them in waves to save yourself. So it gets a little frantic, constantly looking around in all different directions, but that doesn't cause the motion sickness, because your body is moving, 
and it's perceiving motion at the same time, so you're okay. But as soon as you jump into something like a rigs, a battle zone for some when they start, there's a, a thing called Scavenger's Odyssey, which is one of the games of the five games on PlayStation VR Worlds. You're controlling full movement there. It's It starts to hit you. As much as people gripe about on-rails experiences in video games, you almost need a stationary or on-rails experience at least to start with with VR in order to minimize getting hit by that really heavy, that simulation sickness really heavy early on. And even then, you're still going to play games in probably short bursts at first to get used to it. Um, what I found worked with Battlezone didn't make me ill. Um, the second time I played it made me a little ill the first time. Rigs felt better the second time than the first time. Um, when I was playing Here They Lie, which is a horror game, which is so far kind of boring um <laughs> but here they lie uh which is designed to be a horror game uh where you can actually control your movement and such as you move around this city and and crazy crap is happening um, i found that it actually helped me when i'm sitting in the chair playing it to actually pop my feet up and basically constantly pop my feet from being flat to being up on the the balls of my feet um alternating as if i'm walking because that added a physical sensation to go with the movement that my eyes were perceiving, and it helped me cut down on the simulation sickness. That's it's all cool. about body feedback. Right. Um, and some people are going to be more comfortable with it at first than others um, than others will. Um, so I, I know I want to go into the specific a bunch of specific games, but I'm going to do that as a separate audio file at some point. Um, so okay. that those who are focused on the Star Wars thing and whether or not this would be a good idea for Star Wars, which is where we're going next, I guess, um, can actually kind of have that impression here without hearing us talk on and on about, or me talk on and on about a whole bunch of different games that are completely non-Star Wars related. Um, but for those who want some impressions on various games, I've been doing live streams of them to give impressions, and then I'll also put together a an audio file with my thoughts, hopefully sometime um, in this next week or so. Um, but you saw me play one of the only the two full-priced games that we've run into, or that I've run into so far for PSVR, uh, out of Battlezone and Eve Valkyrie, which was Eve Valkyrie. It's set in the Eve universe like Eve Online. You're a starfighter pilot, basically, and flying around in a starfighter, there's massive multi well, not massive, but there's big multiplayer battles. There's some single-player uh, missions that you can go on and things like that. You're progressing uh, as you get new ships and all that kind of stuff, um, which really is probably the closest thing right now in the VR experience, for for PlayStation VR at least, to what we should expect from Star Wars TM, Battlefront TM, Rogue One TM, X-Wing VR mission. Um, you didn't actually try out Eve Valkyrie, but you watched that mission as I was running through it. What do you think? Does this give you hope for the X-Wing mission? Does it... Give you get you less excited for like how does this affect your your excitement if any for the upcoming Battlefront edition? Well, it um you know it's kind of hard to to give too much feedback without uh, actually playing it. Uh, but at that point, there was no way that I could. Um, the the thing I gotta say though is it seemed like you were able to kind of manage it pretty well. Um, like it wasn't. It wasn't taking a toll on you like, say, uh, Riggs had. Uh, was that was that the case, or? Yeah, it definitely. I mean, you get a little bit, but that's when you're doing all kinds of, you know, I'm flying my ship in a 360 degree circle and a loop and all kinds of, of stuff like that. When it starts to really get you, um, I didn't have much of an issue with Valkyrie um, at all until I started doing some of that weird, crazy move crap. 
So when somebody says, do a barrel roll, you're like, mm, no. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, okay, but you may have to bring a bucket because <laughs> I've got the headset on and I can't see where I am. Right. Uh, which is the funny aspect of, you know, we got to a point where Michael was playing and he was like facing the side windows. He wasn't facing anywhere close to the TV because he just constantly moving. Yeah. Yeah. That was a thing is you can really lose your, especially in that Batman game uh, toward the end you're constantly having to turn and um as, as things are sort of uh changing everything you you really lose your uh, your focal point because there's one time when you're like or i said something like oh i need to reposition back toward the tv and you're like you are and i'm like oh i was doing a bunch of turning i i thought i was like off you know looking off to the left or something um so it's you know the the main thing I, I'll say is that uh, it does seem like, you know, it does seem good for Battlefront, and and that's that's promising. Um, but it does seem like the the VR is probably going to the the game that would benefit most from this would probably be the the horror genres. Um, I, I think that there's a lot that they can do to mess with you. Um, you know, I think there's. Um, Oh, I can't think of exactly what the, the the name of the game is, but it's um, it's a game that it just messes with you. Like that's that's all that it, it really does. Like uh, etern- Well, I'm thinking of. I was thinking back to GameCube. It's like Eternity or Eternity, uh, Eternal. Oh gosh, now Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. There you go. Where where the game messes with your mind. Okay, yeah. This is more recent. Um, this one is uh, Layers of Fear. And haven't heard of it. So it's a like it's a, a Steam game. It's it's really cheap. It it retails for twenty normally, but uh, once again, if you don't know, never buy a game at full price on Steam. They have sales all the time. But anyhow, uh, it retails for twenty, and it's it's a game where you know, especially for someone like me, it's great because you just walk through like a, a haunted house and just start messing with stuff, um, and. You know, the, the game will basically, the house itself will just change on you. So you'll walk into a room and you'll go, oh, there's nothing in the room. Then you turn around and the door that you walk through is now gone. So then you turn around nice. behind you and there's a door that wasn't there a moment ago. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I got to open this door up. And you open the door and it's a brick wall. And you're like, well, fine. And then you turn around and then, you know, there's like um, something on the floor or something. You know, like it's just the actual your environment changes on you. So mm-hmm. something like which which you kind of experienced because mm-hmm. there's a point in the Batman VR game right where that's happening around you. Right, right. Um and and, and like I said that that's that was kind of what I thought of with that and I'm like man, Layers of Fear would be so much fun uh playing, you know, in, in a, a like a 3D element. And um like I said I can I can see a lot of that. The one thing about it that uh can kind of you know, be more, more scary is that with me, if I hear something or whatever, like, it's like, Oh, something's behind me or whatever. That's fine. But if you just turn to your side and there wasn't something there before, and now all of a sudden something's right on you, like that'll even make me jump. I think, I think that happened maybe one time in Batman where I was like, Whoa, where did that come from? You Mm -hmm. know? Um, so like I said, that's a thing that, um, I think that it can get most people, you know, uh, as far as like, because it's so immersive that, uh, especially I think games that, that can kind of play the, the long game, you know, uh, pardon the pun that where they, they hold out and then you just kind of get more and more steeped into it. And then, uh, 
then it starts kind of messing with you. Uh, I think that those games will benefit a lot on, on the VR. Yeah, and that's actually, and it's an interesting thing that there are, for the, the PSVR lineup, there was a lot of games that were released. There's more coming out uh, each week so far, some small, some large. Um, it seems like there are a, there's a larger number of horror games or in survival horror games that are being released now um, for this, if you want to call it a system, this system um, then we'd see with the launch of most other platforms, like Until Dawn, Rush of Blood is there. We've got Here They Lie. Uh, this week, I believe, we've got a Weeping Doll comes out where you're basically playing a doll tr- going around a house trying to figure out what happened to everybody who was there. <laughs> um, Are you sure that's uh, a horror game? That sounds adorable. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is a... Um, the, and, of course, the, the new Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7, will be able to be played fully in VR if you want right. on PSVR. And there is a demo of it on the demo disc that comes with either package that you buy um, called Kitchen. It doesn't tell you it's a Resident Evil demo. But, of course, watching it online, you're like, oh, well, that's Resident Evil. And when you finish it, it'll show Resident Evil. But you basically start, it's very short. Um, and I don't think it's too spoilerish because it's pretty obvious what's going to happen in it. So it's super short. You You start the game, you are tied up in the kitchen. And, like, your hands are tied together, you're sitting in a chair, and there's a guy laying on the floor next to you. And no matter what you do with your motion controls or anything, you can't do anything to separate your hands. They're, at, you know, they're stuck um, by this rope. And the only thing you really do is punch forward with both hands and knock over a camera, which gives light um, so that the other guy can get gets woken up and can get up and try to help you. He grabs a knife, tries to help cut through your bindings, winds up going around the corner. When this zombie lady shows up, winds up getting killed. His head, like, rolls in in front of you. And you hear the skittering of this zombie, and you can't quite figure out where she is because you're looking all around. Because, again, 360-degree environment, 3D sound, as it's called, through the headphones. Um, until eventually it's like she's on the back of your chair leaning over her, leaning over you with her face upside down right in front of yours as she's holding the knife and there's blood all over her. And it's like the end. Nice. Uh, as as essentially a demo for the kind of experience to expect with Resident Evil. Um, I mean, yeah. I, and I'm someone who plays those types of games a lot, so it takes a bit to 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 cause me to jump. But even I had some moments of oh, damn, you know, as I right. was playing. Um, I was, you know, I did a when I did my my uh, live stream of the first part of Until Dawn: Rush of Blood. There's a point where there's just these ghostly figures that just appear beside you. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, you know. Yeah, that, that's um, the main thing. Is like I said with with this. It has the ability, like if you go in a haunted house, a lot of times uh, you can hear everything going around, uh, going on around you and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, it, it kind of prepares you for stuff or whatever. But with a game like this, it's just like giant monster that normally would make way too much noise. But we're going to set him right next to your face because we can. Yep. Well, there's a there's a point in a Here They Lie where you're walking. It's basically this dead, uh, supposedly abandoned city. You don't know what the heck's going on. Uh, it's all black and white, pretty much. Uh, gray, co- tones of gray and stuff. So you're walking and it looks like you need to get to this next part of this road that kind of curves off to the other side, but between your side of the road and that side of the road that has the turn on it, there's this huge crevice running down it, as if like an earthquake had separated things out a little bit. Um, it's not very big, really, I mean, it's huge in terms of depth. It's not very big in terms of how wide it is, but you don't have a jump button or anything, so you can't walk across it. So you walk forward, and there's an alley to your left. And just as you look into an alley, a creature, one of the only things in color in the entire game, it just lashes out at you. And basically, aside from scaring you, 
apparently either pushes you or scares you so much you <laughs> jump and you wind up as soon as you come back to your senses you're on the other side of the gap oh nice where you wanted to go um <laughs> thanks and preacher. it's and it's completely gone i'm like oh okay thanks for the thanks for the movement help appreciate it couldn't just use the jump button damn um but yeah it, those kind of experiences are pretty extreme it the, the um the immersiveness of environments like uh, battle zone is sort of a tron type atmosphere when you're in this tank doing tank battles um, so it's really cool to be able to look around you and the whole world just looks, it looks like it's out of the 1980s Tron, the original Tron, um, just with a little more uh, flair to it. Um, and, and just, you know, you get something like Batman and it just, it looks for something that you're seeing in 3D through these so-called, you know, screen door effect to a degree um, in this headset. It's, I mean, it looks terrific. Now you look at the vehicles, they look gorgeous. You can check out, you know, the different Batmobiles. Once you unlock stuff, you can check out different characters. You're, there's a point where you've got Penguin hung up in front of you and you're questioning him. And he's, you know, he's, you know, looks very realistic as he's like yelling in your face and crap. But then you take something else and uh, like, say, uh, Drive Club VR. Drive Club is a game on PS4 that's known for really, really good graphics and really, really nice looking cars. Not so much in VR. In VR, it looks like it should be a PS3 or maybe even PS2 generation racing game where the interior of the car looks nice once you're in it, but the draw distances are horrible, so everything in front of you up after a certain point is kind of muddy looking. Um, and I guess I would add that there's also experiences that are just what you might call experiences. Um, they're not really games per se. Um, like Ocean Descent. Everybody's making this big hay out of PlayStation VR Worlds having this thing called Ocean Descent, where you're put into a shark t uh, cage, basically, oh, and wow. you're going down into the ocean to look around at things, at salvage, and here comes a great white shark attacking you and slamming into the cage and trying to you know, like, eat you and such. Um, I actually found that that was very immersive until he started banging on the cage. Because I wasn't feeling any motion with the slamming on the cage, and I was standing up while playing. I imagine somebody sitting down would feel a little bit different, possibly. Um, but that has, I mean, the only game elements is you're looking around. So I wonder, that. I wonder if in later editions they could put in like a, the, like a rumble feature. So your head shakes? Well, I mean, the, 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 the move motion controllers shake. The DualShock 4 controller shakes. It's just that the... Uh, um, the head thing, I mean, it's, it's again, it's you're getting your body used to it. Like, I guess right. at this point, my mind is still able to disconnect what I'm feeling from that. But on the flip side of that, when I was playing Batman Arkham VR, whenever you first have this, the floor open up underneath you and you lower down to the Batcave, I actually felt like I was lowering. I was like, whoa, this is mm -hmm. kind of weird. Um, so it, the, the quality of the game, the graphical fidelity of it, um, the experience is very pretty wildly. Um so I would highly suggest on any of these, try the get the demos on the demo disc if you've got the system. I definitely would say the system is worthwhile. We can look at the price here now. Uh, but definitely um, try one out. It's hard to talk about without experiencing it for yourself. Oh, yeah, watching, for sure. watching video of it is nothing. Right. Um, it's like watching Star Wars on a black and white grainy old television that's very small and then watching it on the big screen high definition with 3D glasses. I mean, just mm -hmm. it's a completely different experience right. uh, and an amazing immersive experience, whether it's mm -hmm. this VR or some other VR. VR is at the point where it is now amazing and it's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, but definitely either try out demos 
um, or or check around and see, okay, well, here's a demo of this game that I thought was okay, and I remember how I felt playing this demo. Now here's this other game that's designed and seems like it plays kind of like it. Maybe I can make a judgment call based on that. Because there will be some games that are just completely not for some people, um, like Riggs, like um, to someone to read Batman because of how dark it gets. Um, my wife loves um, Danger Ball, which is on PSVR Worlds. It's like imagine being in Pong, right? You got Pong, you look at it from above, right? And it's just the two paddles going back and forth, smacking the ball in between them. Well, imagine now that instead of that being a 2D space, what you're looking down on is essentially a long room, that's square on the ends and it's kind of rectangular across. And imagine now, instead of watching that from above with them playing, you're sitting on one of the ends and using your head to control the paddle that's smacking the ball going to and from your face towards the other side as they're trying to smash it past your head. Um, I mean, you can have very family-friendly experiences that are very simple. You can have really in-depth things or more in-depth things, I guess you'd say, like Battlezone or Eve Valkyrie. Price points will tend to vary based on how much content there is. Um, definitely one to to I would say it's a definite thing to to try out. And if you got the money, buy the thing, do it. It's 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 a fantastic uh, new way to experience games. But for the games themselves, a lot of it's really going to be more about personal taste and kind of try before you buy. Even more so, I would say than than most console games because of how different this whole experience tends to be. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to add before we hit the price? So, um, you know, I'll say, uh, and and then just kind of wrapping on with the, with the price. Like, I I have kind of uh, turned the corner on this a bit. I where I, I wouldn't necessarily jump in right now, just because I'm I, I'm not an early adopter. Like, I just I don't do that. Uh, but you prefer to adopt them when they're teenagers. Wait, well. What? You just you know, I want to make sure that they're they're not crapping themselves. Um, that that's a that's a good point. I think we're looking at you, virtual boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, we're what? We're looking at you, No Man's Sky. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, both both of those work perfectly. Um, but no, you know, I would like to see some more titles out first so so maybe like next year uh would would be more likely um but i do think now actually playing you know playing games and everything on it i'm like you know what this does seem to be a a better buy at this point i I do think that it's a, a it's a different enough experience from uh your standard play whereas beforehand i was like eh, it's just sort of peripheral for the system you already have, and that's not really the case. It's almost its own separate, uh, almost its own separate console, really, um, just because it's played completely different. And like I said, it's. I feel like most people would probably agree with that if if they've done it. But if not, they may think that I don't know what I'm talking about, and I may still not. I don't know. But um, to me, like I said, it's. I I'm way more accepting of this, and actually. Um, have interest in it now. Like I said, not not immediately, but you know, uh, maybe you know, getting close to Christmas next year, I may say, okay, let me look and see what all's out for this because uh, it it is a lot of fun, and I think that the the biggest thing is that there's a lot of potential for it. Amen. 
and I would say, you know, I I was an early adopter. I did the pre-order thing. We got it. Uh, actually, it turned out we got it on day one. It was supposed to arrive on the second day. Wound up arriving on the day it was released, which is kind of surprising. Um, and been loving it since. I mean, it got my wife to play video games again. And my wife hates anything that uses dual analog sticks. So she's barely played anything from this generation or the last. Mm-hmm. And she loves playing danger ball she loved london heist i i, I think her bloodlust probably probably <laughs> should be should be something to examine um because she was really into you know killing folks and, and, and yeah um but that's just an atlanta thing i suppose but she mm-hmm. um it's the she got into it was able to get into it um and i'm finding that you know at first i had some games that i had picked up that i was like yeah maybe i shouldn't have picked up this one it's gonna make me sick but i'm already getting used to it Right. So I'm hoping to eventually, once I play more, for instance, Battlezone and more Eve Valkyrie, I'll be able to get back into rigs and really get more out of it than initially I was. Because rigs is a $50 game. It's one of the ones that's almost up there at full price. Um, but it's got a lot of potential for online play. I mean, it could be the it could eventually become like the killer app for this thing. Uh, and I would say that Eve Valkyrie gives me great hope for the Battlefront VR experience. As does being able to walk around and check out like the Batmobile and stuff in mm-hmm. Batman Arkham VR because there's supposed to be a starting point in the the X-wing one where you can walk around and check out your X-wing before you even get into the thing, uh, and then the the gameplay I would assume is very much like kind of a cross between Eve Valkyrie and what we have already with um, with Battlefront. And I'm not somebody who likes to play starfighter based combat games like Battlefront uh, from inside the cockpit. Yeah, I, I just and and racing games from inside the car, um, but this because of being able to look around all through the different windows that are part of your canopy and being able to see the enemies coming around you from behind and all this stuff. I mean, that's fantastic. So it's yeah, I I think that there's great potential, and I think that the X-wing VR mission is going to be really really good if Eve Valkyrie is any indication of what Starfighter combat could be. I just see it immediately being unfairly compared to Eve Valkyrie because Eve Valkyrie has a progression system, albeit with microtransactions as part of the deal, um, and a lot of online multiplayer type stuff. But it's a $60 game for that type of thing instead of it being a free add-on to an existing game. Right. Um, so I see the comparisons coming, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn out well. Um, so from a price standpoint, if you're, I, I've already mentioned the whole issue of the price of the system itself, $400 for the base unit, 60 for a camera, 100 if you get it in the dual pack uh, for the two, mo- two move motion controllers, all of which you could probably get cheaper on eBay or something like that, except for the system itself. You must have the camera. You don't have to have the motion controllers, but you really should. And if you want to get all of that stuff together in a bundle with PSVR Worlds that have five different experiences on it, including London Heist and Danger Ball that I've mentioned and Ocean Descent, um, then that's a $500 bundle if you can still find that bundle out there. Uh, games are going to run you anywhere between free like Playroom VR, $10 like the Hustle Kings VR add-on that lets you play pool in VR, um, $20 for a lot of these games like Batman or Until Dawn Rush of Blood, all the way up to $50 for something like Rig, $60 for Battlezone or Eve Valkyrie, that sort of thing, the, the bigger experiences. Now that said, um, if you don't already have a PlayStation 4, then you're looking at between $300 and $400 to get a PlayStation 4 system, even more if you were to go with the PlayStation Pro when it comes out in November, which should give a little bit better graphical fidelity to some of the VR games. And it's mainly there just because it's allowing HDR and it's allowing um, a 4K playback, but it doesn't have a 4K 
disc player, which is asinine, so <laughs> I won't be getting a pro. Um, but suffice to say, your cost of entry is going to be anywhere from about, um, say, 400 to 600 if you already have a PS4. If you don't already have a PS4, you're probably looking at somewhere between about 800 to 1,000. That being said, in order to get the Oculus Rift and its two hand controllers, which aren't even out yet, um, they're coming soon, um, you would be paying 600 for the Oculus Rift itself and then 200 for the two hand controllers. Not counting whatever you're getting with the varying costs of the, uh, of the actual um, games and whatnot. The HTC Vive comes with two hand controllers already and the headset, but it is just like the com combined price for the Rift, it is 800 bucks out of the box. Um, and in both cases, you will need a very high-end PC in order to run what you need to run to be able to use either one. So the cost of entry for either of those, if you don't already have a high-end gaming PC, or if you excuse me, if you do already have a high-end gaming PC, is going to be about eight hundred bucks, as opposed to about six, you know, four to six hundred. Um, and your full cost, if you don't already have a rig to be able to play it on, uh, and you need to actually go buy a high-end gaming computer to do it, you're looking at a cost of entry of anywhere from about two thousand dollars plus. So if you're wanting to get into VR, uh, you want a system that's going to be able to play stuff and know it's going to play and not have to worry about the specs maybe or maybe not matching what's on your system to be able to play this particular game and that sort of thing. Um, you want something that's a little more comfortable and can be used with glasses even, um, but that in doing so has some minor shortcomings compared to some of those other systems in terms of the move motion controllers being not quite as ergonomic uh, and a slightly lower um, resolution on the screen because it's split between the eyes and so on. Um, I would say the PSVR is definitely, at this point, the way to go. I'm seeing a lot of reviewers basically saying, you know, eight, VR is here. The Rift and the Vive can do it, but they're not there yet for the average consumer. But the PSVR, while maybe not as technically high-end, it's the one that's going to be what's proving VR in households across the country and across the world. But just understand that there is a significant buy-in price, but at least with the PSVR – you're looking at a buy-in price that is half or so of what you'd be looking at as a buy-in price to be able to get into the uh, um, the Rift or the Vive. Though you could always try it out with, uh, again, the, the Samsung Gear <laughs> VR, which is powered by Oculus. You just have to be careful that uh, if you're playing a, a game in which things are exploding, that it's not your phone that's doing the exploding. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> My face I think is actually, I, I, to, be, to be fair, I think they removed support for the Samsung Galaxy Note that was blowing up. So it actually was designed to work with that phone and was marketed for that phone. And now they've been like, uh, no, it ain't. Remove from, support. From my understanding, they've had more uh, issues than just the phone that are catching fire. Like, I want to really? say one of the tablets is catching fire as well. Oh, come on, Samsung. <laughs> you know, we've let, you've been the standard of how to have Android devices that can actually compete in many ways with Apple devices. Now they're all exploding. What is the problem here? Uh, uh, they're like... Samsung loses. It's all made in China or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very pro PSVR at this point. I was excited about it at first. I'd seen enough of it to be excited. 
but I had a little bit of that trepidation of, oh, I hope this lives up to what I think it's going to. But I was researching the heck out of it, checking out all kinds of early footage. I was pretty excited about it and just kept getting more excited. Like I was more excited for the day that this was going to arrive on my doorstep than I am about Rogue One. Oh, wow. Um, like, like I, the only thing that has had me this excited for a new release um, in recent memory was The Force Awakens. Like, right. I was so stoked when this finally arrived. And it's, aside from some of the simulation sickness issues that I'm slowly getting over, it has mm-hmm. really just kind of blown my mind in that sense. So I'm very pro PSVR. And while that is my opinion, and I think that is based on my experience with it, so that can be a a valid opinion when we're talking about measuring out decision-making. I also recognize that because of that, it sort of locks my mind into a much more pro side than otherwise. Kind of like, I guess you, a lot of times are like, Oh, oh screw battlefront, you know, <laughs> kind of slowly locking into that more negative side, just because of the experience that you've had with the game. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd recommend it, but it's it's a, it's a costly buy-in. But you're going to be able to play in an X-wing for about probably maybe five minutes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Uh, you pretty much said my my feelings on it as well. Um, like I was saying, I had no intentions of actually purchasing this, and now after having some uh, time with it. I I am more open to it. Uh, like I said, not this year because I need a big old TV for. Uh, 3D, but maybe next year. What will happen is you're going to get that big old 3D TV, and then they're immediately going to announce that, you know that thing that we had nothing to announce about? Now you can do 3D movies in PlayStation VR! No, that's true. And like I said, that uh, I, I still got to get away whether or not uh, I, that will necessarily be a fact. Like, if that could replace it completely for me, um, but because it, it is just you watching, it wouldn't be right. able to be multiple people. Yeah, right. And and I, I just need to kind of weigh the the importance of that. But uh, it would certainly be um, a cheaper option. And then also, uh, like I said, to me, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm in a movie theater. Like not not just saying, oh, this is sort of like a mo-. no, like it's legit. Like you're looking at a, a theater screen. It's it's a huge. You want. You want something even cooler for that? Uh-huh. We didn't even try it because I hadn't even found the option until yesterday. You can change the size of that screen for cinematic mode between three different sizes. So you could probably make that thing IMAX big. Jesus, that's fantastic. Why? Why? Thank you, but you don't have to call me Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that took me by surprise there. I was like, whoa, wait, that's wait, what? <laughs> um, well, that's cool. So, so cool. So I guess the next thing is just... Come on, EA. Come on, DICE. Come on, Criterion. Where's our Battlefront? Because I really expected that to be a launch thing to really hype up Battlefront. And then there, then it was it was right before release. They're like, coming this holiday season. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And I'm assuming by holiday season, they mean what typically is meant by holiday season. Because seeing as how we're being all politically correct and just saying holiday season, I mean, they could mean like Valentine's Day. <laughs> right. They're like... coming in February. We said holiday season. We didn't tell you which holiday. <laughs> That'd be just like EA, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. What's uh? Let's see, isn't Martin uh Martin Luther King? I think is in February, right? You got Black History Month in February, yeah. Yeah, but I was saying like like actual uh, Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King King's Day. King's birthday. Oh yeah. gosh, see, you're killing me here. It's either it's it's. I'm, I'm almost certain it's in February. February. Yeah. I'm, I'm I think it's in, I think it's in February. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, there you go, and I'm like, uh, 
thanks, I guess. Not not the holiday I was expecting, but <laughs> Oh no, no, it's not. It's not. It is it is January because oh, I remember okay. the, the the disconnect always thinking it was kind of odd that it, we celebrate his birthday and then comes comes the month in the schools where it's kind of like you know, it's, it, if the idea was to link them together, it's not. Yeah, it's you threw me off asking me a history question when I'm like, I'm not at work right now, bro. I'm talking video games right now, son. I checked out. Um, you, you, you got me. You got me with that one. But yeah, it's just uh, it's, you know, it's a like E.A. The devil's in the details or something, you know. <laughs> right. Um, it's in the nuance. It's in the fine print, so to speak. But. Yeah, this should be cool. And, of course, when the time comes, you'll have to come down and, and play as an X-Wing pilot. And then I'll have to make sure that you don't try to, you know, take the rig <laughs> with you. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I you thought you were going to say, make sure I don't throw up. And you're like, here's here's your headset. Here's your trash can. Um. <laughs> yeah, here's here's your, we actually have a, uh, because my wife has been in the hospital so many times uh, for various things. Never, you know, there overnight, thank goodness. Um, but we've got actually, I, we realized we have a, a one of those sickness bags from the hospital that look like enormous birth protection items. Um, actually, still sitting uh, unused wow. inside my uh, the glove compartment of my car. I can't as, and as I was playing rigs the other night, I was like, honey, you may have to run out to the car. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm going to need that barf bag that's in there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it it can get it can get heavy, yeah. um, but it'll be good to see it when when Battlefront finally arrives. And this certainly, I mean, just imagine the things that they could do with a Star Wars game in this type of thing. I mean, even something, I mean, make me a droid and give me something like the Batman thing where I'm not even moving around except in this small space and I'm just doing stuff as a droid. Give me a home experience of Star Tours. <laughs> I don't right. care. No, I, I think there's a lot. I mean, even like doing some Jedi stuff. Uh, I think very simple to to do with this game so um. and even even being able to play like a star wars animated board game because i I was fascinated with uh, eye of judgment back in the day in the ps3 era where you had the camera pointing down at your game place uh, (laughs) and you're playing cards that are being scanned glad you clear and the the characters show up on the screen and and it's like ar kind of stuff almost um but you're, when, I'm, when playing the Batman game and Wayward Sky, there are points at which you're like standing in front of this big landscape. Like in Batman, you can stand in front of a model of Gotham City and you can rotate it and manipulate it. Wayward Sky is sort of up above everything when you're not solving puzzles and looking down on it. I mean, even something like playing a miniatures game type game would be awesome because you would have the animations and stuff that you could do that with the, the different pieces. But you could literally be walking around a play table like like Hustle Kings lets you walk around your uh, your pool table and just be moving pieces around by manipulating it with your digital hands and just take that to another level. I mean, we've already got tons of digital card games out there. Take miniatures games and such into that next level with VR. I mean, there's so, just so much potential that's here. They just got to, you know, they, enough people have to, I guess, invest in getting VR to really make it something where the, the companies feel mm-hmm. It's worth the return. There's a lot of companies supporting PSVR right now and developing things for it. There's a ton of games between now and the end of the year, but it's going to be after holiday season that seems to, that's probably going to really be the gig, big kicker on, you know, what's next. Right, right, very likely. So I think that pretty much covers everything uh, that we've got mm-hmm. so far with PSVR. So um, the only thing I guess really is tell everybody if you um, 
want to discuss it, talk about it with us or whatever, uh, you can always reach us at uh, our email address, which is cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, we're just Cloud City Casino on Facebook and Twitter. And then, of course, we're over at our home, uh, starwarsreport.com. Uh, I am Morris Isley over on um, Twitter. And then, uh, of course, we're found on every, uh, pretty much every Apple uh iTunes, TuneIn, let's see, is it uh, Stitcher? Is that the other one? Yeah, I- I'm starting to forget, man. It's been a while since we've done an episode. And then uh, also on uh, the, the Google Play and the Star Wars app. That's right. And if you are interested in seeing these VR games sort of played, again, it's a very different experience actually playing it yourself versus watching somebody play because of the immersion and everything. But if you're curious about my impressions as I'm playing them, um, I've done short live streams at this point of 11 of the games. Um, I haven't done any one for Playroom VR yet, and I will eventually be going back and doing a full playthrough all as one live stream, hopefully, of Batman Arkham VR now that I've gotten through the end and unlocked everything to kind of know what the ins and outs are to really kind of show off the potential of that. You can find all those on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio or just search nathan butler um and hopefully i will come up uh, uh in the searches there there are my glasses and i think my blue work shirt uh, i don't know but just search nathan butler if you don't want to <laughs> go to the actual link uh and of course you can find uh, my star wars timeline gold at starwarsfanwars.com slash timeline we just had the new 2016 release uh for the first time the five documents combined together have uh, crossed the 3000 page mark so lots and lots of good Star Wars continuity timeline information to be found there. Uh, and, of course, you know, also on StarWarsReport.com, where Cloud City Casino is host. Um, uh, Mark and I are back with Star Wars Beyond the Films. So new episodes about things like Ahsoka and Life Debt. And uh, coming up, we'll be reviewing the god-awful Chewbacca miniseries um, oh, from Marvel. I didn't so, think that one was bad. I actually enjoyed that one. Oh, you, you, you liked Aftermath. You just, Shut <laughs> I, I liked it for what it was. I can see I can see it not being everyone's thing, but I liked it because it was purely visual storytelling, uh, which I thought was a, a good use of the of the medium. I feel I feel like Chewbacca shares one thing in common with the Power Glove. It's so bad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, gonna do it for this episode, and you know, never forget. Let the Wookiee win. Especially if he's the one who's like handing you stuff when you get the headset on, because otherwise you're going down on your face. Or apparently, in Michael's case, getting punched in the junk!
this party's over.